Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Look at all the people God picked. There was nothing really great about them. Many of them didn't have great pedigree. They didn't have great families. They didn't have great backgrounds. The thing that was great about them was that they were connected to a great God. And so for you and me, we all have the same potential, right? You don't have to be great. You should be connected to a great God. Have a relationship with the living God, which is available to everybody here. God said, look, I'm an equal opportunity, Savior, save all that come. And I will work through everybody that looks to me and surrenders to me, right? God doesn't hand He doesn't say, I could use you, but I couldn't use you. One of the biggest misconceptions about the church is that all Christians are living perfect lives. People assume that they have to either be a perfect person or dust themselves off before coming to Christ. Today, Pastor Bill reminds us that God uses anyone and everyone for the furthering of his kingdom. There is nothing that you have to do before coming to him, and the only thing he expects of you is to give him your all. Stop wasting your time by trying to be perfect and be made a new creation through God's grace. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 15 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Let me kind of bring anybody that hasn't been here. We're going through the book of Judges and we're in the section of Judges that deals with the life of Samson. And so this is kind of where we were entered. The the judges in general, each judge was raised up by God to deliver Israel from enemies that were oppressing them. As a direct result of them rebelling against God, disobeying the Lord, God would say, "Okay, y'all, you don't want me. I'm going to let you guys go worship idols. And God would allow the enemies, the, the nations that oppose the people of God would come, uh, bring them into bondage, take them into captivity. And it would be in times of oppression that they would finally break and say, Lord, help us. And there's something about that, you know, that there's something broken in human nature that, you know, it just seems like people are more inclined to turn to the Lord with fervor and sincerity when things aren't going well. And it's when things are going well, when everything is working out, when we got money in the bank, when everything looks like it's going our way. Those end up being the times where instead of being grateful, thankful and worshiping the Lord in goodness, those are the times where people turn away. And we I mean, I read it. and I, I said, man, I wish it weren't so, but it, it is so. That was the case for them. Many times that's the case for us. And so as we go through judges, I want to continue to remind us if you happen to be here tonight and you're in a season of blessing, things are going well for you. Money is in the bank. God's blessing. Things are going awesome. The kids are acting right. The marriage is on point. Then be careful in this season that you glorify God for all of that. Um, some of you are saying that's not my season. I'm not, not there right now. Then good. Cry out. Like you need, you're in the cry out section. You need to be crying out to the Lord. So um, thankfully, when we cry out, he listens. Amen. Mm-hmm. We went through chapter 15. We, we went up to verse eight of chapter 15. So. I'll just catch you that weren't here up. Um, Samson went and found a woman that he wanted to marry. And uh, he told his parents, I found me a woman over there. Where was she from? Philistines, enemies of God. He went and found him a non-believing woman and said, told his mom and dad, I want her. His mom and dad said, hey, son, can't you find a believing woman? Can't you find an Israelite woman to marry? We'd be glad to hook you up with her. He said, no, I want her. She pleases me well. And he imposed his will on his parents. And they went down there and got her for him. 
We talked about the error of picking for yourself or going outside of God to find a spouse and for imposing and just deciding that you want what you want, even if it's not what God's word says, how that will bring heartache. Long story long, uh, you know, he, 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 they have the whole, you know, feast week for the wedding and the marriage and everything else. He poses a riddle to all of the Philistine men who were who were brought in to be his his wedding party. And they couldn't answer the riddle. And so they went to his wife at night and said, if you don't tell us the riddle, we're going to burn you and your father's household up. And so she went to him and she nagged him. And that's what it's exactly the way it reads. You can go back and read it for yourself. But she nagged him and nagged him. He finally broke and told her the riddle. And she went back and told them. And they came and answered Samson's riddle. And he knew. He said some things that you don't say to your woman. We talked about that. He said, if you had not plowed with my heifer, I told all you married men and single men, if you want to live long, do not do ever refer to any woman, married or friend or neighbor in, 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 in nature of animals whatsoever, especially not cows and whatnot. So um, he got foxes and tied the tails of foxes together and burned up their entire harvest. So when they did that, they went to the woman's house and they burned her and her father up anyway. And so that was that. Well, before that, they ended up, Samson left mad and they gave her to his best man to marry. Then he came back. Then he, then he sent the fire. So long story short, that woman, her family, they're dead. The woman that he married first is dead. And Samson's been pretty disobedient. But at moments, the spirit of God comes upon him and he destroys Philistines. And I can't, I cannot, I'm reading this over and over and over again. And we're going to see it again tonight where he's disobeying. Yet God's using him to wipe out enemies. And I'm, I'm, I keep reading it. I got a couple of nuggets that I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. So look at chapter 15, verse nine. It says, now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. So the Philistines go and encamp themselves against an area of Judah. And then it says, verse 10, the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? So they answered, we have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then the 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? Now, this is really, really, I want us to catch a lesson here. The Philistines come down to an area of Judah. And they come down. Now, there's 3,000 men of Judah that show up. But these Edom, the, the people come, the Philistines come down and they say, you know, we've come to arrest Samson. And... It said, then 3,000 men of Judah in verse 11, they went down to the cleft of the rock to get Samson. I'm looking at this saying, why didn't these 3,000 men raise up and go fight the Philistines, right? They're getting punked. They're getting, the enemies of God are coming and saying, look, we, we, we want that man over there. Who was, Sam Samson was a judge. A judge means what? Deliverer. A deliverer. So catch this. The people of God are going to basically, it's a, I'll explain why it's a slave mentality, they're going to basically say, look, we're going to side with our oppressors against the man that God sent to deliver us and just walk that through. We're going to side with the enemy because we want to save our own behind. That's all we care about. We don't trust God. We don't trust God's process. We don't trust God's deliverer. So the enemy comes down. We're going to go ahead and link up with the enemy against the person God sent to be our deliverer. And I was sitting on that earlier and thinking that's exactly what the Jews did to Jesus, right? The Lord's Jesus, God sent his son to deliver them. And they, they, they said, no, no, they sided with their own religious system and the things that they had in place against them. The lesson in this for us is really important because the Bible teaches in Romans 
that you become a slave to whoever you obey, rather to the Lord, rather to your flesh. Um, you become a slave to whatever it is that you succumb to. And it would be best for us to become slaves or servants, if you don't like the word slaves, of the Lord, who loves you, who died for you, who has your best interest in, in mind. Um, but the, the, the people of God here are so, they're so immersed in the world where they believe in this process. You know what? We're going to just give him over. We're, we're going we're gonna to rally our troops not to go fight against the enemy. We're going to rally our troops against our own. Here's something else we need to be careful about as a people of God. That we wouldn't be wasting our energies and efforts against ourselves. And sometimes that's how the enemy quenches the work of God is he gets the people of God fighting each other. And so rather than rallying together against the enemy, coming together to pray together, you know, sharing in love with one another, really standing with one another in a in a healthy way to grow. Um, one of the tricks of the enemy is to get the body of Christ and the believers, the people of God, we're opposed to one another. Um, and maybe it's this group of the body is opposed to that guy. You know, we're going to go, we're going to come against him. We're going to come against that situation, that thing over there. Be careful that you don't expend your energy like that. Because every one of us expounds some kind of energy and effort into something. Make sure that the energy and effort that you're putting forth is towards God's stuff. God, I'm, 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 I'm putting forth a good effort to maintain unity in the body, to serve my brothers and sisters, to be an edifying member of the body, to be, you know, to be for you and against the enemy. But I don't want to be coming against these people. Amen. And so Judah comes down again. They bring 3000 guys to get Samson and they say, Samson, what have you done to us? You did this to us. Um, and again, they're saying Samson did this to us. But who did this to them? They did this to themselves. I'm going to say this one more time because this is the added, this is, this is what happens in people's flesh. People rebel against God and they go and do things that God said don't do. And then when the consequences of doing what God said don't do come upon them, they look at God like, why'd you do this to us? Like it's his fault. That's exactly what people do. I, I, I've, been, I've been involved in church for a little bit and I'll have people come in for counsel mad at God. And I'm saying, well, what happened? Why are you upset with God? Well, you know, this didn't happen to me. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and you start listening to the scenarios that rolls out. And it's like, you weren't supposed to be in that relationship. And you mad at God that he broke you up from the girlfriend that you was fornicating and sending against him with probably did you a favor. You know, um, people will end up in scenarios that they had no business in and then be mad at God. Don't be that person. Please don't be that person. Because I, I feel no sorrow. I feel no room. I don't, I don't, I, I don't even, when, when I hear it, I start listening. I'm like, this is going to sound really insensitive when I tell are you saved? You're saved. You know the Lord. Okay. You didn't know that that was wrong. You didn't know that you weren't supposed to be in that scenario right here. Because because maybe you're just reaping what you've sown. You've sown disobedience. The Bible says you sow to the wind, what you reap? The whirlwind. Nobody want a whirlwind. You know, you wanted peace, but you don't have peace right now because you didn't sow into peace. And so they did this to themselves, yet they're telling Samson, hey, why'd you do this? Up? Why'd you bring this upon us? He didn't bring this upon them. And so Moving on, it says now in verse the end of verse 11. And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. And so Sam said, look, I did to them what they did to me. Verse 12. But they answered him, we have come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hands of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hands and we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and bought him up to the rock. And so they, so Samson says, guys, all right, this is what we'll do. I'm willing to go, but I want you guys to promise me that you won't kill me yourself. 
And they said, deal, we won't kill you. They bound him up with new ropes. That's important. We'll come back to that later. And they took him to deliver him to the enemy. Now, I want you to consider this in Samson's mind. Do you guys think Samson thinks he's going to he's going to break free? I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that in Samson's mind, he's like, man, this is this. We've been we, we, this is what we do. This is what I do. I kill Philistines. So y'all go ahead and bind me up. Tie, tie me tight, real tight, you know, and, and deliver me over in. Somehow, and this is interesting because he just knows that God's going to come through. And, and multiple times, it, it happens just like he expects. God just comes through and comes through and comes through. But we all know we won't cover it tonight. We'll cover it the last study of Samson next week. There's going to come that one time where God just says, not this time. Right. But Samson has become accustomed to, you know what? God just shows up at the right time and everything works out for me every time. Maybe you're here in disobedience in some area and it just keeps working out and it just keeps working out and, and and what can happen and we'll look at it as a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about this people can become set in their mind that it, it'll always work out for me you know just it just always kind of works out you know I just kind of do my thing and then the Lord just you know just, it all works out I get what I want there will come a time there comes a time in a person's life where God said that's it I'm gonna let you taste it this time I've been merciful. God is very merciful. When the Bible says he's slow to anger, he's not like human beings. Some of you are quick tempered. Some of you are quick to anger. Some of you get chopped over in the freeway and you'd be ready to jump out and knife somebody in the throat if you have one on you, you know. But the Lord says, I'm slow to anger. Like I just he doesn't just doesn't get angry fast. And the the if there's a downside to him not getting angry fast, is I think people can be lulled into he's all right. We're good. I think I think everything is all right. I did that three times. Nothing happened. Uh, we're going to see in Samson's life a trend of disobedience. I want you to write a verse down in your notes. I want you to write down Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. I'm going to read it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. It says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily or right away, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And basically what it's saying, look, because God's judgment isn't immediate, that people's hearts get set to continue to do evil. Be careful that that's not you. Be careful that your heart's not set to continue to go the wrong direction because nothing happened yet. Didn't, didn't, didn't get caught yet. You know, uh, I was talking to my sister recently and we were remembering, we were talking about the worst whooping we ever got. And when we were small and my parents were still married, my parents, when they would go out of town, would leave us sometimes with my dad's mom, my grandma, Jewel. And she would come to our house and live with us. And, you know, she was a different kind of woman. You know, she was old school. We were clowns as kids and she was real serious. It was just a it was just an interesting thing. So when she would come, me and my sister would just no, it was like no rules. We would, we would do whatever we wanted. Stayed up late. She was like, you guys cut that out in there. And we're we're laughing and making a joke of it. And. I remember we broke her. You know, I kept thinking, shit, never, my grandma not going to tell on us. But we had been so bad. My parents went to Jamaica and we had been so bad this week, you know. And um, this is the story that we remember to this day, all, me, her and my older brother. We went to this restaurant used to be on Imperial called the Smorgasbord. Now, grandma there, when you went to her house, she had roaches. She had roaches everywhere. So whenever you open the cabinet, roaches came out. We just understood that's how it was. So we're at this Smorgasbord restaurant and we're sitting there eating and a roach is on the table. And for her, it's just what she normally does. Roach came across the table. And we're all at the table eating. And she went, pow, she smacked it. 
we were uncontrollably laughing at the table. Said, you got to stop it. And we were like, we, you know, you stop me. I look at my sister and we just, you just lose it. And we could not obey all the way the walk home. You got to stop it now. And we couldn't. And we just laughed and laughed. So she was, she was done. She was mad. And I remember my dad got back and my parents came home and they met us at the door. And it was first this, hey. And I had convinced myself, like, she's not going to tell. I go to her house and spend the weekend. I act like this. I'm like, she's not going to tell. But this weekend, we had ticked her off. And my mom met us at the door. She had bags of, you know, goodies and souvenirs. My dad went back there for two minutes, talked to my grandmother. And he came out with the belt. And he said, you go in there, you go in there. And he basically went and got me, don't go nowhere. Went and got her, came back. There was a round two. Got me again and got her. And we had to go say, sorry to grandma. But I remember that we, we were, you know, it's funny now. We deserved every bit of it, by the way. I don't. I don't hold my parents. They, they did the right thing. We earned that one, you know. We were very disobedient. There was more I could tell you. But here's the thing. I was fully convinced when my parents came, it was going to be as normal that she was going to say. I was like, hey, we, we were actually, we tried to be really good the last day. Grandma, we're, we're, trying, we're, we're being good today. She was, she had already made it up in her mind. No, no, I'm telling. She was done. And uh, I just share that to say, right, some people are doing that with the Lord and just taking it for granted that nothing happened yet. He'll, just say, he'll always be merciful. There'll come a day. There'll come a point. You continue in rebellion and God loves you that much. God loves us enough to say, you know, I'm going to pull your card this time. God does that to Samson and it's pretty radical for him to find that, you know, the Lord's no longer with him. The Lord's no longer showing up in that way to deliver him and to help him out. So let's move on now. Verse 14. So when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. And notice what it says. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. And so two things I would note here. One, every time we see Samson do these great feats, it's, 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 it's prefaced by and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The spirit came mightily mightily upon him. It's, it's like God wants us to know each time it's not Samson. It's not his own might. Uh, there's a verse in Zechariah chapter four, verse six, where the prophet there tells us that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, um, and we talked about this earlier, most people would imagine in their mind's eye Samson to be this muscular, buff, you know, chiseled up kind of guy. I'm betting I'm betting that he was a little skinny dude. Um, it just fits the bill because it's, it's not his might. It's the, the, the spirit of God. And if God's spirit is going to come mightily upon you, you don't need a muscle. You know, you don't. Need, I almost think it would be it would be more. How disheartening would it be to the Philistine army? Some little scrawny dude come. <laughs> and but the spirit of the Lord come upon him. He whooped everybody in the army. It, it'd be a little different. He'd get a little bit of credit if he was kind of swole up. Like, that's that, that muscular guy. Who's our muscular guy to go against that muscular guy? But little bitty, you know, I'm, I'm betting. I can't say this for a fact, but I'm just guessing, you know. In the same way, I look at David and Goliath, you know. Who should have went out against Goliath? Saul. Saul, right? Uh, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was the tallest one. He was the king. He's the one that had the armor. That was his role, his job, his position. But God said, no, you don't have my spirit upon you. You're a chunk. I got a little dude out there that plays a harp and watches the sheep. And when my spirit comes upon him, that little boy has destroyed a lion and a bear. He is full of confidence. And notice, David's confidence wasn't in himself. 
when Saul said, man, David, you know what? This guy's been a warrior. He, he even looked at David and thought, this, this is not going to be good, man. You, you're a cute kid, man, but he's going to eat you alive. You know what David said? He said, look, uh, the, he said, the Lord, the Lord helped me deliver. The Lord delivered the, 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 the lion and the bear into my hand. He will also deliver into my hand this uncircumcised Philistine. And David knew it was the Lord. David didn't say, you know what? I was in the field, man. I tore up this line with my bare hands on. Bad dude. You know, he said the Lord delivered and the Lord delivered and the Lord will deliver. And that's what happens when a person understands it's not me. It's the Lord. They won't boast. They won't be arrogant, but they'll be very useful in the hand of the Lord. And so that's for all of us here. Right. You can be useful in the hand of the Lord. You'll be more useful in the hand of the Lord when you acknowledge that it's God. Anything good coming out of our life is him. Anything effective, anything that, that God is using and he's doing great things, give him the credit. Be, be, be quick to give God the glory. Be quick to acknowledge that this isn't even of me. If you remove the Lord from my life, I'm nothing. But through him, I can do all things, right? Without me, without the Lord, I'm nothing. I don't, I don't have much to offer without him. There isn't anything special or super about me without him. But with him, God can use a simple life. God can take a nobody and do great things. And, and it, it, it allows your life to be a life that's used in such a way that God's actually honored and glorified through your life. And the gifts he's given you and the talents and the ability, they, he pours it into you and it comes back in a way that shines for him. That pleases the Lord. And everybody here, everybody here born again has the potential to please the Lord. Um, you don't have to be something great. That's the cool thing with the Lord. You don't have to be great in the world's standard or the world's estimation. Look at all the people God picked. There was nothing really great about them. Many of them didn't have great pedigree. They didn't have great families. They didn't have great backgrounds. The thing that was great about them was that they were connected to a great God. And so for you and me, we all have the same potential, right? You don't have to be great. You can be connected to a great God and have a relationship with the living God, which is available to everybody here. God said, look, I'm an equal opportunity savior. I'll save all that come. And I will work through everybody that looks to me and surrenders to me, right? God doesn't hand He doesn't say, I could use you, but I couldn't use you. You read through your Bible and look at the interesting people that God used. Uh, the weak people, the, the, the broken vessels, the, the, un, the people that look like, man, this didn't really seem like this guy would be used for. This person would be a tool in the hand of God, but he took him and he used him for his glory. And so moving on now, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he broke those ropes. I said to take note of that because later on, Samson's going to be in another situation when Delilah starts to woo him. Tell me the secret of your strength. And he's been here before. He's like, you know what happens? If you tie me up with fresh ropes, oh, I'll become weak like anybody else because he has an experience here with these fresh ropes. And I keep looking at things that are kind of woven together in Samson's life. Here's one thing. We'll, we'll look at it in just a minute where, where he touches another dead thing. What's the, what's the dead thing he's already touched? Lion. Lion. He went in there to get the honey and nothing happened. So, so look at this again. Look at it says in verse 15. So when he broke his hands free, it says he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached his hand out and took it, and he killed a thousand men with it. And then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. I think he used to want to rap. Um, that, that was like, that was his little poem. You know, that, he made a song about what he just did with the jawbone. That's literally... If you look at the phrasing, he, that's a song he wrote. He threw a little, it might have rhymed in Hebrew, you know. And so he might have been a rapper on the side, y'all. So here's the deal, right? He touched the dead thing again. And one of the things of the Nazarite, they weren't to touch anything unclean. Anything dead to an Israelite was considered unclean. He did it once, nothing happened. You know, he killed the lion with his bare hands. 
When he came back down the road, he saw that there's beads and honey in the line. He went and took it and ate it. He gave some to his parents, but he didn't tell them where he got it from. Nothing happened. Here it goes again. He sees a dead thing. Jawbone of a donkey picks it up and kills a thousand Philistines with it, and nothing happens. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and He cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Transforming Word